Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. I am George Armstead here with my co-hosts Molly Brown and Alvaro Jaramillo. Guys, what's up? Hello. Hey. It's been a busy morning. All sorts yeah. of things going on over here. I've been busy. Yeah. With birding and non-birding things. What's happened in West Virginia, Molly? Well, uh, I have bitten off more than I could chew this fall. Um, <laughs> oh. which that, is doesn't, great. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you at all, Molly. I know. Um, but what's coming up right now, I have just been packing up, and you might even hear background noise as Jimmy's loading the truck, um, because we're getting ready to take off to spend a weekend of herping at the West Virginia Herpetological Society's annual symposium at New River Gorge. And oh, I am man. So excited. I have no idea what to expect. It basically looks like a birding festival, except you're looking for herps. Wow. And I cannot wait. I'm nervous and I'm. I'm hyper today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's fascinating. Is there, do you know if, is there a reason that they hold it at this particular season? Is there, is it convenient for people's schedules or is it like, is there something herp wise that people go for then? I, uh, oh man. Um, ask me these questions for the next recording because I really <laughs> don't know. I mean, I yeah. think that like, you know, uh, April to September ish is probably your main herp time. Um, starting when things come out in April. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking this is just a good time when you've got some snakes and salamanders all at once. Nice. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a bit because yeah. <laughs> I am such a novice. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. I've been trying to figure out. Yeah, thanks. I have no idea what to pack. Um, I have like, I've overpacked. I know what to pack for a birding trip, but I just have every type of flashlight I can find in the house and a bunch of things to be prepped for rain and getting in creeks. <laughs> what, are yeah. there any, uh, are there any particular species you're hoping to encounter? Um, so another thing I've been studying for this a little bit and it's interesting because there are like 20 ish salamander species in that general area. And then between snakes and a couple lizards, there's like another 15 or so reptiles. Um, no, I don't, I don't, I'm just kind of starting on my life list for this kind of thing. Um, it's a good plan. That was, that was seamless. That was really, oh yeah, that's right. It's like, I didn't even mean to, um, (laughs) (laughs) there are a couple snakes. Like, I think that that's kind of the northernmost range of a smooth green snake. And yeah, yeah, I haven't seen one of them. Um, I haven't seen a hognose snake. And I oh, imagine those are so one. cool. They're really, really cool. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see them. They have so much personality. It's like yeah, they we, seem like it. They put on buggers. a show from what I've seen. Yeah, I've um, only seen two, but like they're like scary and cute all at once. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you they're, didn't know what you were looking at, they could. They were pretty common in Ontario on the lakeshore. We just see lots of them. Really? Kind of they sandy fiddle, soil, right? I think they them. like kind of sandy yeah. soil. Um, yeah. I can look for them while I'm looking for flamingos, maybe. Um, Al, have you ever seen them do that? They, like, puff up and try to look like a rattlesnake? And, oh, do that. I actually would make them do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of like, you know, it's like, you, you you know, you sort of grab one so it goes, ah, you yeah, know, and like, it does ah. the whole thing. Yeah, they look all And crazy. then you sort of hang out. You hang out and watch the whole thing because if, if you don't leave, they'll go, okay, let's do this then. Ah, you know, and then they pop up. And <laughs> cool. Like, That's not working. That. And then... <laughs> And then it, when nothing works, and they then they turn over, they and roll play over, dead. yeah, yeah, and then they show you their belly, and you, yeah, and then like, you can see, I'm dead now. Them. There's nothing. No, you don't have to worry anymore. Just go away. Yeah, yeah. but the thing is, you can grab <laughs> them and put them right side up, and then they they just turn on their belly again. Like it's sort of like, no, I'm dead. Actually, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, that's not right. You know, you should just just stay. Don't move. It's like so they would. Uh, it's like, you're yeah, doing this wrong, cool. guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, and, there, and there's a version completely unrelated, but does something similar in Argentina. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they, they, yeah. They call it the false, false yarara. I was going to say, false, does it imitate the yarara? Those things look right. terrifying. I'm like, yeah, the bothrops. You yeah, know. they get big too. Yeah, yeah, hmm. right. So it imitates it and kind of tries to scare you, but it's it's uh, yeah, not nothing harmless. going on. Yeah. yeah, harmless. They don't even bite. I mean, they. Right. 
It's pretty cool. They just try to look scary, and, and they puff up fat, and they wiggle their little tail end, and they're like, I'm yeah, a snake. Believe me. I think they have red on on the tail, so you can kind of like, your vision goes to the really red, different. you know, and it starts curling it and stuff. And yeah, they're, they're fun. Well, but, I, hope uh, I hope you could see one of those, Molly. And, and I know they're, I know it's a good part of the world for salamanders, and there ought to be. Part, yeah. And like timber rattlers ought to be around, I'd think. Yeah. I mean, Rattlers and copperheads are pretty widespread in the state. I just in the little bit of studying I've done for salamanders, it looks like it's a pretty interesting area where it's like the southernmost part of a few ranges that are like um, Allegheny Mountain type salamanders. And then there are some that are all through the Appalachians, some that are sort of just central Appalachians. And then there's I don't even know what to call it, but a lot of the range maps kind of go into the Midwest and kind of go out to like. Arkansas and then kind of north and it's like a central Midwest kind of range. Um, and there's just a couple different uh, genera that are there. And I am just kind of looking at like basics of how to, you know, identify them, habitat, that sort of thing. But I've never gone out and targeted salamanders before. I've just looked for them where I have been and that hasn't been down there. You're in the range of Hellbender, right? Sunday's Hellbender Day. And really? That's why I signed up for this. Yeah. So oh, man. I was talking to the organizers. I think that I don't know exactly how it works with the timing, but they're like looking at the timing of some dam releases and the water levels may or may not be uh, conducive of Hellbender searching. Um, but I really hope I'd love to just go out and try. But we'll we'll see what happens there. For folks that don't know, Hellbender is the largest North American salamander, and they can be like two and a half feet long. I They're think, right? big. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't seen one, but oh, I, I would, want to. I would die to see. I'm like that thing doesn't really exist. That's like a yeah. that's like a cartoon character. It's not real. <laughs> No, I'm really excited. Yeah, and they're, I think, pretty closely related to um, the giant salamanders in Japan. Oh, those things, um, yeah, also So it's just crazy. like insane geographic isolation between them. And they're really cool. They're super susceptible to a lot of different, you know, um, types of pollutants in the water and that sort of thing. So there are all sorts of reasons that they're a uh, species in decline and hard to find. But yeah, I feel like... Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to go to this and I'm going to talk about it a lot. And then next year, I'm just going to bombard them with a ton of birding people who want to see yeah. <laughs> as much as I do. I have two suggestions. One, if they have like, uh, you know, the herp t-shirts, get the one yeah. that says, I axolotl questions. <laughs> <laughs> All know? right, I'll look for that one. <laughs> do you know that? that no. <laughs> well, I'll send you. That's there's a, a salamandry Axel. thing called the oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the axolotl. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got the that thing is a cartoon character. Yeah, he's got <laughs> like, the little frilly. Yeah, he's, yeah. It looks like uh-huh. uh, kind of looks like that dinosaur in Jurassic Park that like fans right. out the hood right. and like hisses. <laughs> yeah, except and it's tiny. also yeah. avoid the heavy duty parties going on at this place you know the toad licking and all that we don't want you oh, doing something yeah. dangerous molly See, we that's want bad you advice safe. Right there. that is bad you advice avoid yeah. oh no 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 these hurt molly, people molly these hurt go people. to They're the toad crazy. licking room yeah wherever the toad licking room is if you don't go there i'll be really <laughs> disappointed as a first time uh, attendee she's not going to be given the password to go to that that's party, true I'm sure yeah you know. I Those think you underestimate. You out. I think you're underestimating Molly Alro. I think <laughs> she's yeah, she's going to come back with like a box full of toads. She's like, you guys going to c- c- come try these out? They're not. Yeah, bad. I mean, we're recording the morning after I come back from this again next week, so we'll we'll see how that. We'll see if you're out. permanently altered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she'll be a yeah. different different Molly. The hurt people. It's a different yeah. crowd, you know. I'm oh yeah. To find out. Yeah. I mean yeah. the the herp the herp guys I know are there's there's some wild characters you know like <laughs> like I mean the you know we always joke how the birders actually know how to party in a pretty good time I think the herp people are it's it's a next level it's another it's another uh, it's another oh species you know it's another animal I'm just stumbling into this I don't yeah. know <laughs> now you're really <laughs> yeah. Up. it's going to be yeah. such a the hellbender party weekend. yeah the how metal party. does that sound yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I might just stick around for that. <laughs> but yeah, am I going to be up in the mornings? Like, am I going to be out all night? Am I going to find any birds? I don't 
I don't know. <laughs> the not knowing is kind of great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's exciting. So that's what I got going on. Things are yeah. good over here. God, that's juicy. I can't wait to hear how this goes. Yeah, yeah that, that part of the world is almost like the Columbia of salamanders, you know? I mean, yeah. It really is. Kind of starting through diverse. there and down through the Carolinas. You got a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a, uh, a day when you can report back. Yes. yes. Yeah. We need to know how this goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Al, what's what have you been up to, amigo? Uh, pelagic yesterday. We, I don't uh, believe you. That sounds, yeah. like, that sounds like fiction to me. We had a first. Yeah. Uh, and I, a first. And I would not make you guess this because you will not guess. Hmm. Because it's not a pelagic bird. We had a Virginia's warbler flying around the boat. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, which is actually a... A vagrant for us here. I mean, we don't like anywhere. We're not California. that far. Yeah. yeah, we're not that far mm-hmm. from Virginia's warbler kind of breeding, you know, in Nevada and stuff. Maybe you know they breed in some parts of California and the other side of the mountains, but still, it's, it's crazy. You know, have one flying around. Do you um, remember? That, you remember that field guides used to have a tour called Virginia's Warblers, and yes, yeah. and, and it was sort of a play on words, right? Because Virginia actually is really good for warblers. You can get what twenty plus breeding species in there in the Appalachians and down the coast and the swamps and everything. But I, as I recall, somebody showed up on that tour and was kind of furious that they had no chance at actually seeing the species Virginia's warbler. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to be like, boy, you, you got to look at the map. Yeah, you yeah. didn't prepare very well. Got to release the cage bird for that one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. I that that. We were talking about that actually yesterday because it was the field guides group who was oh, yeah. Uh, doing yeah. So field guides was there with two tours, and uh, yeah, it was it was good, good trip, good trip, good weather, you know, good whale show. And, you know, the, just there were a time when we we were we were surrounded by humpback whales and oh wow, then all these Pacific white sided dolphins came through, and then some common dolphins shot shot in and some poor views of northern right whale dolphins meanwhile there's pink-footed shearwaters everywhere and oh, it was really cool it was like sort of a a moment and we all kind of reminisce thinking about tom and how much he would have enjoyed that specific trip uh, yeah. so it was, it was pretty neat you know in many ways yeah yep nice that sounds like a postcard pelagic just sound like yeah. surrounded by right whale dolphins. <laughs> yeah yeah those yeah. are those are some of my favorites. Those are those are great animals. We did not have good looks, but you know, I I you know, I, they were there, which is they're funny little things, right? Because they don't really come up for air in the same way that other dolphins do. They're not so visible because they don't have the dorsal fin. So yeah. you can sometimes just see these little black, you know, tops of something, or you're like, what what is that? Is that a sea lion? You know, or is that what is? That? And then <laughs> you realize. One of the most spectacular cetacean sightings I ever saw was it was on that New Zealand cruise, Al, that you and I are are scheduled to do in uh, still pa- spaces left, folks. St- yeah, still spaces <laughs> left. And, but one of the like one of those trips, we had one of these big, like huge pods of southern right whale dolphins. Uh, yeah, like just yeah. leaping out of the water. I, I want to say it was like three hundred or more animals, and they're just like they were kind of in the distance, and eventually they kind of. But you just you just watched them, and it was just like, you know, and they're they're all you know jumping out of the water like dolphins do. But you know, these are so different looking, and these those ones yeah, are really black and white. white. Yeah, really white. <laughs> those other ones, really dramatic. Yeah, that was we we actually saw them once on a Chilean pelagic trip uh, in Valparaiso. Where you you know everybody goes out of there, and one time they showed up, and I don't know. I'm really curious now, now that I kind of understand the ocean a tiny bit better as to what was going on that year. And if uh, maybe I could even piece together if there were other interesting bird sightings that were happening that year, because those animals usually aren't there. So that, that, that is interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Lots of good birds offshore and two more trips Saturday and Sunday so that we have sold out trips right now so no that's fantastic mm. man yeah i'm and my voice it's gone you know it's gone <laughs> all the time yeah. now it's like oh it's tis the season for you you've got right. it's, yeah. it's alvaro husky voice season folks yeah you know 
Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. You know, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be sounding fresh and as, hello, as a daisy. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. we had, uh, we concluded our, uh, our overnight Hillstar Pelagic yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I it was think really... I saw a photo of, from that. Did you? From, yeah, nice. from Doug Gottschfeld. Is that right? Well, uh, you, he, you tell. I sent him a couple photos. Okay. Um, and um, I actually didn't take a single photo myself. Uh, just I was just like, I have to admit, I'm still I'm suffering a little bit from photo fatigue uh, from like my summer. I like just finished going through my Columbia photos, you know, when mm-hmm. I spent a month there and basically all of July. And I'm like, you know, I just don't want to edit anymore or manage any more photos for a while. And so like I keep finding myself being like, just leave the camera, you know. And, um, and yesterday, I, I, you know, I hadn't been offshore in a long time. Like, I, I, you know, really offshore. Like, I did, you know, some winter pelagics where we get out 30 miles or whatever, 30, 40 miles looking for acids, but like far offshore into, into deep water. It had been a long time for me. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it was just, I was, I found myself, I was, I must be getting older too, because I was like, I'm really enjoying the preparation for this trip. Like, you know, hell, my food organized, you know, I was like, my <laughs> snacks, you know. Oh my I was God. Like, That's not an age thing. Uh, yeah, you don't think so? I mean, because typically <laughs> I, I'm like. I argue no. <laughs> okay. Well, typically I'm like, I just show up at the dock. I'm like, you know, I'm like, roll me out of bed, roll me out of the car, you know, throw me on a boat. I'm ready to bird. <laughs> but this time I was like, I took like, I took time to really like prepare. And, and I was like, I was like, this is, this is good stuff right here. Um, just the prepping part. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I had all my food ready to go. I had, you know, I was like, I, I was, I was prepared. I was ready, you know? And, and you uh, felt good on the boat? Oh yeah. Preparation? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, yeah, I was, it, it worked out great. And, um, but it was a funny trip, you know, like it was just so not what I expected at all. Um, which is kind of how these boat trips go, right? Like, you know, you, you kind of go out with an idea of what you want to see and what you're hoping to see and what you want everybody to experience. And it was not what we were expecting or really hoping for. But I think everybody got off that boat pretty amped up and excited about the day we had just had. Um, the birding was fine. It was, it was you know, it was, it was good. It was not spectacular. But like just the wildlife was really great. The conditions out there were calm. Uh, we could, we had, you know, you could see a long way. And as a result, we just had a great whale show. Um, we had dozens of shortfin pilot whales, lots of offshore bottlenose uh, sperm whale. Um, we had a nice pod of striped dolphins early in the morning uh, that I, which is actually a new, it was a lifer, something I'd never seen before. And, um, I think we estimated somewhere close to 50 of those. They were, they were moving early on. And then we, probably the coolest thing we had was we had, it looks like three different pods of Cuvier's beaked whales. And those are the photos I saw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when, when I, there, when I first saw the, the, we had, we had two right next to the boat. Um, we, we saw one pod kind of in the distance, about six, seven animals, and you could see some big males surfacing, you know, and when you see those big males, they're really, they're really obvious and distinctive. Um, and then I, I want to say maybe 40 minutes later, we had these two animals surface next to us. And you know, these beaked whales, usually they see it and they just, they just drop. They're like, you know, they, they might give you another little quick surface, but then they disappear and you just, that's it. That's often all you get. And these guys kept surfacing right next to us. And I was like, oh, they're gathering up air and they're going to go down and that's going to be it. And they gathered up air. They, you know, they, they surfaced five or six times. You could see that they were breathing, kind of moving. And then they started to sink. And I was like, okay, well, that was pretty cool. You know, I don't know what those were. Hopefully we got some pictures and can figure it out. And all of a sudden <laughs> they come flying out of the water, do a full breach. And they did that three times. And just yeah. like, you know, yeah. yeah. And I, I, you know, it's not often you see beaked whales at all, much less see them leap out of the water and see the entire body. Uh, and it, and afterwards, looking at the photos, we could tell that they were more Cuvier's beaked whales or what they used to call goose beak whales. 
in the genus Xiphius. At the time, I had thought they were Mesoplodon, um, but looking at the photos, it's pretty clear they were they were Cuvier's beaked whales. So we had three different groups of them. We in the pre-dawn, we had a, at least five different Wilson storm petrels land on the boat, um, and we we hmm. we caught some squid. Uh, we caught about half a dozen or so webbed flying squid. Um, and uh, I put them into iNaturalist. There's only like four or five other previous iNat records for that, which is pretty wild. Um, and we had hammerhead sharks, and we had a blue shark circling the boat as we as dawn rose. You know, um, we had a lot of sea turtles. We had a lot of, of loggerhead sea turtles, and one smaller turtle we couldn't identify. We saw it briefly. It was either a Ridley or a green. Um, and you know, lots of flying fish. The birds were good. You know, we had we had probably 600 or so Wilson storm petrels, uh, which is a lot. Um, and we had good views of Audubon's, Quarry's, Great Shearwater each. Um, and, and we had Bridal Turn. That was probably our best bird. Mm. Bridal Turn. We had two groups. And I was surprised to see it was actually the first. These appear to be the first records in eBird for the state of New Jersey in over 10 years for Bridal Turn. Uh, and it was good. We had like two go by kind of distant where everyone was like, great. Yeah. Okay. That was nice. We saw bridal turn, you know, <laughs> and, but you could tell everybody really was like, okay, that was kind of almost like a taste of honey being worse than none at all, you know? Um, and I was like, all right, I'm hoping it's a starter view, you know, and that we'll get our entree view later. And sure enough, we hit a big, big patch of sargassum weed and there was a board floating in that. And there was a juvenile and adult bridal turn. We were like cruise up able to cruise up on them close and get really beautiful views and hear the juvenile just calling away. Oh, wow. Uh, so that was cool. And we, and we, like, we got to hear great shearwaters calling. We got to hear Wilson storm petrels calling. So like, I think everybody had white face storm petrel on the brain. Everybody, you know, we all wanted to see that. We did not see that. But at the same time, I think nobody got off that boat disappointed. Uh, I hope at least, um, cause we just had a great day. Any recordings of the of the Wilsons? We came so close. One of the ones uh, that landed on the boat, um, you know, we picked it up because it was, you know, they can't move on the boat on their own, right? Once they're down on the ground, they need help getting up and getting out. So we picked one up and it immediately started chattering. And I was like, I was trying to get everyone to be quiet so we could record it. And um, uh, one of my friends, Jess Koss, who was on board, she said she might have some, she, like she was trying to shoot some video. She might have some of it. Um, huh. But otherwise, you know, between the boat noise and the the voices, it's hard to record out there, um, as you know. But uh, I don't yeah. think we got it. I don't think we got anything probably usable. But it was cool to hear that. Mm-hmm. There was times when I was scanning, and I would just it would be really quiet, and you you could hear. Great shearwaters, like you know, pitter pattering as they took off, and I'm like, there, there's something deeply sublime about, you know, being like, I'm hearing a great shearwater take off right now as I scan into the distance. You know, it's like, yeah, we an, we get that a lot with the groups of sudies, but you know, it's often you know, a thousands. thousand taken off. So yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty wow. spectacular spectacle. When we. That happens. So we um, we've been having um, reliable storm petrel flocks, black and ashy, and uh, also farther north we we had some mixed with forktail storm petrels in mm. Bodega Bay. That's but a the weird bird. thing. Yeah, weird thing is two two of those days where it was uh, it was pretty good weather, but there was a bit of a, a wind. We were able to smell the storm petrel flocks right from the boat. You could get Citrus. the storm petrel smell. No, no, no. It's that musty, musty. Oh, citrus you know, of the alphas, aren't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then we also, one of the flocks, we heard them calling, which it never had never had happened. So oh, wow. hopefully I have some recording of that. Hmm. I assume they were, I don't know, because it was a mix of ashes and blacks, but that has never actually happened to us. We heard them in, on the ocean. So it's it's a good storm petrol year uh, out here too. That's awesome. Yeah. So, guys, as I I was just going to look up real quickly and see what I could find for for Wilson's storm petrol vocalizations, and I open up the eBird and the eBird homepage right now features a photograph of a swallowtailed gull. 
Ah. <laughs> I'm trying to see if it is the swallow. I was going to say, I'm trying to like see yeah. where, where it, this actual image is taken. But uh, yeah, it's by Josh Stacy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, September 1st. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Joshua is like one of the one of the folks that um, spots birds for us on the pelagics. Okay, and this the, I mean, this is one of the craziest vagrants found in recent times, right in your backyard, there, Alvaro. Right, right. Um, but you know, the, the cool thing for before before we get into the story, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so some years ago, a kelp gull showed up that. That I, you know, that I, I was jogging on the beach and saw this thing and blah, 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 you know, kelp gull. But very few people saw it that first day. It was kind of a, you know, one hour wonder. And um, it it then was seen on the Farallon Islands and then it went south, right? And I said to the locals, uh, especially uh, Malia and Chris here who are, you know, birders who are always looking at the at the gulls said that gull's gonna come back next year it's gonna come back and chris and malia next may found it in the same beach and it came back right wow so there was this thing of like you know al predicted this thing would come back and then (laughs) recently you know in the aba podcast they you know talking about um el nino i made predictions of what could happen and I said we should be on the lookout for swallow-tailed gull. Oh boy! And it was you know then we're the, never going to hear the end of this, Molly. Southern <laughs> California came in, so I have now been dubbed. I have a name now, Nostra Dumbass, <laughs> as the as a person who who <laughs> predicts the future in oh. the birding world. Yes, Nostra Dumbass. That's uh-huh. right. please. Oh wow! Thank you. Thank you How? Very much. <laughs> Wow. That, how apropos. I don't know. I know. Yes. I don't know who yes. came up with this or how, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the, anyway, what what happened, right? I'm sitting working the other day and we have this um, you know, uh what is it that it's not um it's one of these rare bird alerts that's you know, on Telegram, I guess it is Telegram. One of the, you know, it, people have different ones that they use. That's what we different use in counties. Telegram, yeah. So, all right, so Telegram, and you know, we get this. Aaron Maslich, um puts out this swallow-tailed gull in San Gregorio uh, Beach, and I'm like, San Gregorio, where is that? I'm thinking this like su- Southern California <laughs> beach somewhere that I don't know. I'm not. I was about to like Google. You know where is San Gregorio? And then somebody says, "You mean San Gregorio?" And he goes, "Yes." And I'm like, "San Gregorio? That's like ten minutes, fifteen minutes away." So, oh my god! Man. So I just I immediately left, you know, and uh, yeah. and uh, I thought, you know, this is crazy. I mean, there's no he hadn't posted any photos, but you know, it's Aaron guy who's birds here all the time, who was on our Antarctica trip and so forth, and and uh, I arrive and. One of the locals had just arrived, and then Chris Hayward, also of kelp, the, the kelp gull, uh, he sort of drives in and almost, I mean, practically, I don't know if he even parked, you know, he was like out, like, you know, you know, <laughs> and I was a little worried about, oh, this is like a state beach, should I, I got to pay or whatever. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit and do all the pay, get the little envelope, put, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that later. So I wrote a note, you know. Rare bird will pay later. <laughs> they stuck it up on my just because of like you know that I thought about it. You know, at least like, mm-hmm. the guy comes over. He's like, okay, at least the guy's honest. You know, wow. Um, turned out the payment thing was broken anyway, so we didn't have to pay. But um, <laughs> we Chris got down there first, and by all accounts, it was he didn't know whether to look at the the bird or you know try to resuscitate. Uh, Aaron's heart because he was just so <laughs> he was so moved by the whole thing. He was sort of sitting there on a log waiting, shaking, shaking. I, I was trying I mean? to picture knowing Aaron and and loving him dearly. I was like, what must that experience have been like for him? Right. Yeah. 
And then aside from the top, I could see, oh, there it is. It's still. So then, you know, kind of made my way down and got a better look at the bird. And as, as we sat there talking, enjoying it, photographing it, then just more and more and more people. And as time went on, it became a social thing, right? And we mm-hmm. were also trying to keep track of where the bird was and telling people yeah. on, on Telegram. That's always the worst um, is when you get everyone starts talking, all of a sudden it's like, anyone see the bird? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so the, the radius of, of distance became greater and greater and greater, you know? So suddenly it's like... Sacramento, California is now in the mix, you know, first has arrived. Like, Sacramento right, has was, arrived. Right. It was sort That's of like cool. first Half Moon Bay, Santa Cruz. Then, you know, we were getting people from the city, you know, from San Francisco. And then it just got wider. Oh, San Jose's arrived, you know, Sacramento. And then I left before there were folks in, in Kern County, which is like, wait, you know, that calculated they could be there before sunset mm-hmm. and raced mm-hmm. in, you know, so... So that 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 it was a pretty crazy thing, and to see a lot of people hadn't seen for a long time, and uh, just a jovial atmosphere, all watching this bird, kind of knowing, I think in our, I think we all kind of knew that bird would not come back the next day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I at least I thought so, you know, and maybe nobody wanted to say that because you want to keep a, enjoying the moment, a positive, yeah, yeah, but a positive thing for those who are not there, yeah. Who, who are, you know, talking about coming the next day. And the next day, apparently, there were tons of people all over the place looking, and it was just gone. So it went out to sea at, I think it was something like 10 minutes after sunset or 20 minutes. Yeah, it was sort of waited. Mm-hmm. and then. But what was really cool is that it was sleeping when we arrived, afternoon, you know, sleeping, doing very little, just almost never showing the head. So people were like, oh, gosh, you know, I wish it'd stand up, you know. And so and, it was, Yeah, the bill pattern on those things and the eyes are really cool. Like the yeah. face of that bird is a really cool. Yeah. really like, cool looking yeah. thing. Yeah. And then it would fly a little bit, you know, went to the other side of the flock or something happened, disturb, dis- disturbance. And then as the afternoon wore on, it became more and more active. And suddenly it was like flying and pecking at other birds and sitting on a big log and and you're you're realizing its clock is just going like, oh yeah, gonna go and feed now, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like, just because they're nocturnal, right? I was, so, I was gonna say, was this this was getting later in the afternoon? And yeah, this, later in the yeah. afternoon, it just started getting more and more and more active. And suddenly, those who arrived later, in fact, had much more interesting views of it than those that just saw it in the early portion when it was mostly sleeping. So it was really really neat. And then it's not been seen again. So swallowtail gull from Galapagos. Yeah. So here. So help me put a little more, like, I think a lot of birders will know Swallowtail Gull. First of all, awesome name. Like, as as sort of gray, black, and white birds go, pretty beautiful. Pretty beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, The red uh, orbital ring. Yes. And those big, big eyes, right? And really long bill, forked tail, right? Like, growing up, I always... Yeah, well, growing up, I always looked at this—the pattern and shape of this thing—you know—without ever having seen it at the time. And I and I was like, "Man, that is that is that's a sexy looking gull right there." You know, like, and I, I like gulls, but that that's a sexy gull right there. You know, yeah. And and I was like, I wonder if this thing is. I, I always figured it must be like closely related to Sabin's gull. You know, fork tail, crazy wing pattern. But of course, you know, they're they're not at all real. I mean, other than being in the same family, um, yeah, they're not. And I think it's if I remember, Criegus, right? Is, yeah. is is the genus, and I think that's at the base of the gull phylogeny. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it is one of the oldest lineages of gulls. That, along with little gull and mm. Ross's gull, the so three is, are the oldest gulls on you know in 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 the phylogeny. Yeah. Highly distinct in terms of their yeah. in terms yeah. of their evolution in relation to other. Other right. calls, really weird calls too. They yeah, croak, clicking, they like sort of croaking, clicking. Do you, and do you think um, that that's like an echolocation thing at all, or is or, or is? Or I don't like, know. I've never never thought about it, but it could be. I guess that'd be yeah. kind of cool. And I mean, they do have huge eyes. I'm sure they can see quite well at night. Um, but and I think in terms of knocked gulls that are really f- active feeders at night, I know red leg kittywake is pretty yeah. active at night. 
I would guess some of these ocean-going gulls, like Sabin's gulls, might do some feeding at night, right. but I'm not really sure. Do you know, are there other, other than those two species, are there others that are really kind of really if, nocturnal? If you go to colonies, gull colonies, even around the Great Lakes, you will see a lot of gulls at night. Like in Toronto, you'll, you'll... Laughing gulls you yeah. hear a lot at night. Yeah, you'll see them flying around, ring-billed gulls and so on. So they're not adverse to being nocturnal, kind of like things like plovers and so forth that you think, okay, the, I see them in the day, but they're actually active at night too. I think there's a lot of gulls that will be active at night, but being strictly or primarily active at night, I think then you're getting down to the yeah, Red Lake, Kitty Wake probably, and you know Swallowtail. I don't know about sab- Sabins. Yeah, I'm not sure. You would assume so because there's more food at night in the ocean, close to shore, not close to the surface. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't. One of the things I was trying, I was pointing out to folks there at the at the bird was like, you know, sort of from my Galapagos experience and stuff. I said, look, look at it when it closes its eye, because they couldn't figure out what was going on. They're like, well, no, the eye doesn't look closed. It's it's kind of pale. No, no, no. That's like that's like the lower eyelid looks like a fake eye when it closes its eye. And I, I think they can actually see through that so mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they can see when general movement happens, you know, so they can wake up. They have sort of like a, a little window and it's not the nictitating membrane or it's the lower eyelid. And you can see that in a lot of photographs. And the other thing is like those little white spots, really vivid white areas at the base of the bill. I said, no, no gull has that. No gull has those things. Like, so I said, so, I've always made theories about what that could be, and it could just be display. But I bet that they poke that, I poke poke their head in the water at night, and those little white things kind of flash and attract squid. Squid are really interested in little white or lights or whatever, and I bet they attract squid with those things. Wow. I I will put that as a theory. That maybe somebody can test. Wow, you know? coming from no- Nostradamus, that seems like yeah. it might have some legs. Yeah, there you go. Right, <laughs> yeah. they don't call me Nostradamus for nothing. You know. <laughs> oh man, I feel like this I one's to, really going to stick. It's really going to need the t-shirt. Absolutely, you do need the t-shirt. The swallowtail gull with just put Nostradamus. it written across your hat. <laughs> right, right, like that too. Arrow pointed down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, what a bird. See, I don't chase very many birds. Um, but the fact, I, I, there was a couple of things, right? The fact that I, this silly prediction I made, I thought, oh, this is going to be cool to just sort of see it and to talk about it later on in the podcast. B, it was 15 minutes away. It's a swallowtail gull. And it also made our county kind of the gull capital of North America at this point. Yeah, North yeah. America, because it, it, Made had everything. us go up to twenty-two species of gulls in this Good county. Good lord! Have you had red yeah. lake kittiwake in that county? <laughs> no, uh-huh. we have upside. Uh-huh. I was going to say that because that's going to happen at some point. You're probably going to get one on your trip someday, right? I think so. Yeah, we could go to twenty-three. <laughs> Man, um, yeah, and and that's you know we lost theirs. There's goals, so that was might get that back someday. Back. Might get that Never back. Yeah. Maybe someone's going to write that wrong. We're going to get it back. We're gonna get it back, yeah. but it's uh, it, it's actually to give people an idea. I think there were only, gosh, what it was Adam Weiner put together a list of how many states have actually seen more or twenty three or more, and it was only a few states that have seen as that many, and only yeah, a few nuts. countries, something like eight countries that have had a bigger goal list. And the U.S. actually has the biggest gull list of any nation on Earth. Believe it or you not, know, you know, I would have thought it was Russia or something, but no. I think I'm down to I'm down to very few gulls in the world, species wise, that I have not mm-hmm. seen. And two of them you get all the time in Chile, right? Um, in uh, um, what would they be? Gray gull, gray gull, no, and gray gull, um, belchers, belchers. And then I have uh, never yeah. seen relict gull. Relict um, gull, yeah. And I no. think, I think, I've, like, unless there's some other split I am unaware of, I think I've Saunders seen. Saunders gull? Have you seen I've Saunders, Saunders gull? I have oh, seen right. Saunders you went, gull. Okay. Yeah. 
I think I've uh, seen all all the other girls. It would be a him, fun family Molly, to close look out. At a, yeah. Yeah, I, I need to go to Australia and New Zealand. One of those will be happening next mm-hmm, year mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. a few more. I have a. I think the only difficult one I have is Relic Gull to Oof. see. The other ones are all relatively common if you go to the spots where they are. So yeah. yeah. But oh, I have not seen Ivory Gull. But that's yeah. that's yeah. You'll get that. You get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I feel like I should share that um, neither am I much of a chaser, but today it is eleven thirty in the morning on Friday, September eighth, <laughs> and in just a few short hours, I will venture westward across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania towards Franklin County. We're currently in a small roadside pond are two American flamingos. And God willing, <laughs> God willing, Kristen and I will see them. God willing. May the birding gods Clear smile Clear to the western us. realms of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Out Franklin your County. way. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> Halfway there. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. But what craziness has befallen us with these flamingos? I mean, like, I I have to say, like I say, I'm not a chaser. This one, when I we heard the news as we got back towards land yesterday on the pelagic, and everyone's going, what? Like, I, you know, we know Adalia, you know, scattered some, some, uh, the Hurricane Adalia sp- scattered some flamingos. And, you know, in Florida, sure. You know, Cape Hatteras, sure. Like, basically, it's like a, it's almost like a, an extreme wing of the Caribbean there, uh, the tip of Cape Hatteras, right? You, you know, there's Antillean nighthawks there on, you know, a couple times and, and, uh, and yellow green vireos and weird things happen out there. Um, and then, you know, you get this ones in Ohio and you think, okay, well, that's nuts. That's crazy. I guess, there, and there's one in Indiana now, I think, or there's a, you know, there are one to yeah. some in Indiana now, but like, this is a bird I was lucky enough to go. I was lucky enough to go to Celestune in Yucatan, Mexico when I was young, when I was in 11th grade and to go to that big flock there, which I think usually is somewhere between like two and 4,000 American flamingos. People want to say flamingos as a good place to do it. And the other thing I remember there is we had like a flock of like 9,000 lesser scop and like 10,000 American coot. So there was just biomass <laughs> at this place, right? Yeah. Wow. So the coots don't bring in the tours? I'm shocked. <laughs> what the heck, man? That many coots? Yeah, I, I think I think I, Al, I've probably told. Yeah, yeah speaking <laughs> speaking of that, my father, one of his great quotes is he often says, "You know why I like a coot? Because you never see a coot putting on any airs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they are they are not a uh, a presumptuous species. You know, not they're, a flamboyant one like a no, flamingo. They're sort of accidentally comical. You know." Um, but yeah, like that place, you know, I went there, I got to see that big flock of American flamingos, you know, this wall of pink over these beautiful blue waters with all these, you know, all the big flock of birds around them. And to me, that was like the most exotic thing in the world, you know, that I could possibly imagine at that point. The idea, apparently these birds are banded and from that population, the ones that are in Pennsylvania, I have heard, I have not seen... You know, I just got off the boat, basically slept last night, woke up today recording now. I have not done any research on this, really. But from what I understand, it has been established that these birds in Pennsylvania are from that population in Celestune in uh, Yucatan. So to I me, think a handful of these have been. Is that right? I don't mm-hmm. know if it's the same birds. I mean, it's been other ones that are banded, too. I've seen this in discussion. Wow. But, I mean, yeah. just the idea that those birds that I saw in 11th grade, <laughs> what felt, felt like another planet are now in my yeah. home state, just surreal. So yep. cool. I, I wonder if they intermix, like if they fly back and forth to Cuba they make or not, like if they're two separate things, because that was my theory. Maybe they were flying, they were moving from one wetland to another, like a whole bunch of them. And mm-hmm. that's why they got, it. you know, 
thrown out northward in that wind, sort of the early winds, they probably said, oh, I'm going downhill on this. You know, I'm not going to fight this thing. And they wound up, you know, in, in the U.S. They're not exactly it aerodynamic. Make sense to me. No. Yeah. I mean, once they well, get hit by a storm, it's like, you know. There haven't been like frigate birds scattered that I've seen or anything. Like there haven't been other it's true. birds that I would right. have assumed would have been the ones that would have blown up from something like this. Right. Just flamingos. It's yeah. It's it, a good point. There has to be sort of when when a big hurricane hit Cuba where there was a, a lot of flamingos, the flamingos just essentially died. You know, mm-hmm. there were there were there was all sorts of uh, video and people trying to save some of the flamingos and Cayo Coco and so forth. But this suggests that the flamingos were in the air to me, like when it happened. Maybe a long, maybe there's sort of an interchange between those populations and they were essentially going from one. And the banders should be able to tell us. That'd be an interesting question to sort of see if they, oh, yeah, they go to Cuba. Oh, yeah. You know, I bet they do, hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't know. We should look that up. I should look at the track of the storm as well. I I don't know just how. I feel like this was an unusual track, um, but it would be worth looking at again. I haven't studied. I know we got a couple storms on the way as well, like yeah. this, this yeah. Hurricane Lee, and there's one yeah. developing behind it that look poised. I think some of the models have it, you know, hitting northeastern U.S. Um, and right now it's a cat five. So keep our eyes I, on that. I will be honest. And I will say that when I first saw the f- pictures of the, I guess it was in Florida, you know, four or five flamingos, people stopping, get quick photos. Cause it, you, there was no place to see them. Well, you know, the first few that arrived, you know, after people were making a big deal, flamingos in Florida, then I thought, ah, whatever. But then when they started showing up everywhere, they was like, no, this is really cool. But first I was dismissive. I was sort of like, oh, okay, the flamingos. You, a few flamingos showed, showed up. You know what? But then it was like, wow. This is a thing. Yeah, you know, the one of the interesting things is that I heard that a friend of mine was talking to Marshall Iliff at eBird. <laughs> he was saying that they one of the issues they're having right now is that – these all on the eBird alerts, these are all flagged as exotic. And I guess, oh, wow. I guess in the back end of eBird, it's not, it's not easy to fix that. I don't, I don't understand the dynamics behind that. And so the result is that, you know, people are not getting alerts. You know, if you have your alerts set, um, you are not receiving alerts about American flamingos in whatever state that you might be following. Well, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and so some people are upset about this, and they're like, they're contacting eBird, and they're and the eBird viewers are kind of you know struggling to 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 try to to manage this situation. Um, and I guess Marshall said like he knew that this could be an issue, and he'd always worried that like a gray lag goose was going to turn up in like you know northeastern like in new england someplace or eastern canada and that you know this would become an issue he was like i did not foresee flamingo being the one that triggered <laughs> you know <laughs> the issue yeah, yeah. And flamingos um, in like 10 states <laughs> yep yeah and it's funny somebody i don't i don't georgia i think has still not had one right um uh, neither has west virginia we're completely surrounded too but nobody's calling that out <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like west virginia is poorly designed for flamingos not that these other states aren't but there's not i feel like yeah. i mean maybe there's a lake someplace that one could put down in but but i don't know yeah we're checking we're looking but yeah. but it was funny like <laughs> somebody somebody had like a meme up and it was it showed like all these states like you know highlighted in red and then georgia in white and basically they're surrounded and it was like you know, Georgia birders like dot, dot, dot. And they're all like, you know, apoplectic. Basically, every state around them is getting flamingos. So hopefully Georgia will get theirs. Hopefully they well, hopefully Canada will get one. That would be cool, oh, wouldn't man. it? Southern I mean, Ontario. Ontario. Get yeah. yeah. That would be wild. Would I be... want a flamingo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Uh, well, if you like... weren't going to go lick toads later today, Holly, uh, I know. Molly, I would say you should meet me at it uh yeah. you know this one. I would be. I yeah. I wish I would have gone over yesterday, but I couldn't do it then either. I I want them bad. Mm. I was telling you, George, before we started. I haven't seen a wild flamingo, um, yeah. so let alone around here. 
The yeah. Ohio ones didn't stick around. I think that might have been the same pair that ended up in Tennessee. Um, I'm watching. And they, they keep showing up, so I'm still hopeful. But I'm going to be around a good lake this weekend to check. Summersville Lake around New River. It's you know what's going to be interesting? <laughs> like, is it one or two that our band did, right? That have, that it, it, I don't know how many, right? But there's been at least one, right, that's banded. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if... Uh, we get the actual data later on the year that it went back to oh, its home place. That would be wild. That would be wow. wild, right? Because yeah. we always assume, oh, these birds die. It's like, I don't think they all do. I mean, right. Especially. That's like, what if it hits some weather and they're like, all right, this has been okay. Not a lot of shrimp here. And, you know, wherever right, yeah. I am, yeah. maybe we I'm should. losing my color. Yeah. I'm losing maybe, my color. I got to molt soon. <laughs> Time to hustle. And then they go back. That would be really something, man. Yeah. Would be. Right. No. It's flamingos. We've had a Chilean flamingo here in the Bay Area for years that's been hanging around. I saw one in Chincoteague once, a Chilean flamingo. Everyone just assumed. So it's weird to me that they can hang in for like, I want to say this one's been here for like decades. That's pretty wild. Yeah. The gannet. And um, there's been talk too, and I think there was even a note somebody sent us about the flamingos asking if we thought they could repopulate Florida because they used to be yeah yeah they used to be there and I figure well they kind of have in a sense whether they they use it they're starting to use it now whether breeding that's a different deal right they have very specific breeding requirements like where they make their little mud right but maybe you know know, like a non-breeding you know site where they start to gather again that seems yeah. perfectly possible yeah. yeah yeah i think so and that's step one right when when you get enough of them there then that's when they might things go, could take hey, shape look at this edge of this little island muddy island here where we'll breed here you know i think that's possible um i don't know where the data is from uh, that they were used to be there i guess audubon he painted them but you know i don't know if there were info of them breeding not yeah, sure. I don't know about breeding. Yeah. I thought that there were some that had been wintering down there for a while. Uh, just yeah, like some like a ones and twos, yeah. And well, I think even at, uh, um, I think even at, uh, like there's some off-limits pond, I think, that used to have like some numbers. Yeah. Even. Um, like, I did see something that, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm making fun. But because it's sort of interesting in some respects, but it, it's it's silly in other respects. Somebody asked a question on Facebook about whether the flamingos, this arrival of flamingos, could displace roseate spoonbills. And I'm thinking, the only happen? thing that ties them together is that, is they're, that they're pink. pink. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of sort of a weird. Right. It was sort of like, why would you think that? But obviously, they they do feed in muddy areas and stuff. There might be some overlap, niche overlap. But on the other hand, they're the two most distinctive bills that you can have on two water birds that my guess is, yeah, there's very little. No need to worry, folks, is the, the, the thing. <laughs> you know, we can have two pink birds and survive. I like that. That's, that's another T-shirt in the making there. Yeah. We can, we can have two pink birds. I'm, I want my two pink and birds. Survive. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, pretty wild, man. Well, I, I will. I'll let you guys know how the chase goes. They've they've been there. This is still there this morning after being kind of formally discovered yesterday by a guy named John Carter. Uh, so uh, hopefully get them today, and that they won't head back to Yucatan until tomorrow, um, or maybe after folks get to enjoy them for a little while. But. Um, one thing we wanted to touch on before we scoot here, um, we got some great feedback from a friend and listener, Nick Block. Uh, and thanks, Nick, uh, for writing in. He was talking about our El Nino episode. And we kind of touched on, like, the ratites, right? Those, like, those big, those big, big birds, right? Ostriches, emus, rias, cassowaries, Usually flightless, yeah. Yes, typically flightless, and um, and Nick is a professor of ornithology, uh, and he wrote 
the following, and we thought we'd just share this because it was really an interesting, um, interesting bit. He said, "Because we yeah, we were talking about how that these flightless birds had dispersed to the different continents, right? Right, and, and long funny. thought to be sort of basically that some ancestor across Gondwana land would have tied them together, right? But apparently, not exactly the case." And Nick Nick wrote, I couldn't help commenting on your brief mention of flightless birds and their biogeography and evolution. It's such a cool story, exclamation point. Similar to what y'all speculated and discussed, the Gondwana origin story used to be the prevailing view of how we ended up with large flightless birds on multiple continents. But genomic sequencing, including of elephant, bird, and moas uh, remains, and more f- extensive fossil evidence have pretty much done away with that hypothesis. As it likely turns out, the ancient paleognath that was probably a grouse-sized bird that could fly, and there were multiple cross-water colonizations of flying paleognaths that independently evolved into the flightless species we see today. So instead of a single flightless ancestor that split into different species during the Gondwana land breakup, it's a story of convergent evolution of flightlessness and gigantism right? Which is crazy. And in, right. the, and in places like New Zealand, where you had huge moas and tiny kiwis, it's very possible the kiwis stayed small because the moas got there first and beat them to the punch for the sort of the large species niche. So cool. A couple of the crazy relationships that have come out of the sequencing analysis. One, the kiwis of New Zealand are sister to the elephant birds of Madagascar. Wrap your head around Whoa. that. Yeah. And their common ancestor dates to around 62 million years ago, which is way after New Zealand and Madagascar would have been distantly connected as part of Gondwana. The Tinamus are embedded within the flightless paleognaths, probably sister to Moas. This finding has been confirmed from multiple studies and really makes the strongest case for the repeated evolution of flightlessness or flightless, yeah, within the, uh, within the paleognaths. There is no precedent for a lineage remaining flight after it was lost evolutionarily but we see that flight has evolved from many many times flightless has evolved many many times across birds thus because tinamous retain the ability to fly then the common ancestor of all modern paleognaths must have been able to fly the timing of what common ancestor existed varies but i don't think any of the dates i've seen place it later than the late cretaceous about 80 million years ago this is also well after parts of Gondwana had broken apart and created large water barriers between land masses that have modern paleognaths. Nick says, anyway, it is one of my favorite evolution stories I teach to my ornithology students, so I had to share. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Nick. Cool. And how about that, guys? Yeah. Yeah, no, and amazing. Yeah. I, I love how like you get the data and you have all these pieces. It's like one of those riddles that's like there are these four people and like who lives in what house. It's such a logistical thread that you can work through after you've got all this starting information coming in all these different areas. Yeah. Awesome. No, it's really wild. And also the these new like the phylogeny people say like you know, who cares, you know, what's related to what, but then you actually can you're piecing together history, right? You're the true history of these birds, and then you understand why things are the way they are. And then you can ask, actually ask questions, too, of what is similar even between all these birds. They all have, like, male parental care. And that's then right. yeah. you sort of think, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, like, why is that happening? I, I always assumed that was something that tied them yeah. together, right? That Like, that, right. that evolved, but, like, must be convergent as well, I guess. Yeah. Well, what could happen is that they always were that way, and all original old birds were had male parental care, and the evolution of female parental care, uh, you know, af- might be actually new. So you're saying that, those birds that are have more female parental care are more highly evolved, Alvaro? Not not highly evolved. That <laughs> I'm saying they're newer. <laughs> I was deliberately trying to put words yeah. in your mouth, Nostradamus. <laughs> And you know that that is though that is a real uh, just separate from that the concept of some people say oh so that's that bird is more highly evolved a a Baltimore Oriole 
is more highly evolved because it's a newer lineage than an ostrich. It's like those lineages have been around since birds, you know, they're, they're a different part of the lineage. They're not necessarily highly evolved. They're actually more recent in their, you know, appearance in the bird world. Right. But it's not like, it's not like cars, you know, where it's like, oh, here's a 50s model Chevy and here's a 2023. It doesn't work that way, you know? So, but uh, anyway, that's uh, something, uh, that's a whole different co- thing we can talk to Nick about one day. Yes. <laughs> hey, listen, guys, we do have to scoot. Molly has toads to discover um, yeah. and, and taste. So um, thanks, everybody, <laughs> for listening. Yeah, good luck, Molly. Keep us posted. Stay yeah, healthy. That's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be a whole yeah, episode. You know, we have a big group campsite for everyone, too. I've been thinking about that this whole episode. Oh, wow. There's going to be some bonding activity. <laughs> there you go. Campfire. Yeah. Bring yeah. your bongos for the evening uh, around the fire. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back again soon. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye.